Hi, welcome to Video Drone. I'm Fraser. And I'm Craig. And we're this is it. This is the first uh, proper podcast we've Indeed. done. And what the we're first go- episode? Yeah, first episode. And what we're going to be talking about today: uh, Star Chaser, The Legend of Orin, mm-hmm. and The Revenant, and Outrage. Outrage. Beat Takashi. Let's Enjoy go. Us. Right then, first up today is going to be Star Chaser, Legend of Orin, which is one of the first uh, films that myself and Craig talked about, and mm-hmm. one of the main reasons for doing a podcast, because yep. what it was, um, years and years ago in the mid-80s, we'd both seen the trailer for it, which yes. was quite common on uh, entertainment and video, uh, rental yeah, it was, videos. it was on a lot of those tapes, wasn't it? It was. Then? Always intrigued me, never got round to uh, renting it, mm-hmm. and eventually uh, Craig came up with a copy that he kindly shared with me. And we've had a watch, so um, indeed. Let's talk about Star Chasers. Do you want to give sure. us a plot synopsis? Yeah. Um, so basically, our main character Orin is a slave in a mine run by a tyrant called Zygon, who pretends to be a god. He discovers a mystical sword that helps him escape to the surface, and there he meets the bounty hunter Dag Dembrini. That's how it all begins, basically. Uh huh. Um, it a sort of adventures ensue and it becomes a kind of uh, Star Wars style space, space <laughs> opera. And we can't, and Fraser's laughing because we can't really mention Star Chaser without talking about Star Wars because it's obviously was a big influence. Oh, absolutely massive influence on it. Yeah. It's, um, I wouldn't go so far as to say a complete rip off. No, it's, it's, it's not a clone. I mean, it's yeah. got a lot of its own personality, it's, it's got some quite good ideas. And it's actually quite disturbing in points, which we'll get to in a moment. We will, yeah. But it's, I mean... A dark film for an animated film, particularly an American-made 1980s effort. It was it was animated in Korea um, for the American market. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was made in 3D. In originally. 3D, no less, yeah. Obviously, yeah. The, Japan have the kind of... Um, how can I put this? The, uh, the biggest output when it comes to, you know, more adult animation. Uh-huh. But this was a long time before a lot of this was, was you know, even a subculture in America and Europe. Yeah. You know, this was at a time when we weren't really used to seeing sort of dark and dangerous and subversive stuff in animation. Well, when I was watching it, I mean, the animation style to me reminded me very much of the heavy metal movie and the Ralph sort of Bakshi sort of mm-hmm. stuff, Lord of the Rings 1 yeah. from 78 and that. Although it's not rotoscoped, I don't think. No. But it does, it's that sort of, maybe it's the same artists, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that stuff that I don't really know about, so I shouldn't talk about it. But <laughs> that that was just, that reminded me of that style, and I did, I did yeah. quite enjoy the, the, the sort of style of the film as well. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and suddenly we've waited how long? 20 plus years or something to actually watch it. Exactly. I how, mean, has it held up for you, do you think? Well, I mean, it, that's the thing, is I, I'd never seen it originally. It's, it's definitely got uh, a lot of personality, this film. I mean, like we were saying, the content's definitely way above what was would have generally been considered as acceptable yeah. back then. And that is one of the things that makes it interesting. I mean, it's the animation is quite good. And and as we as we get along, you know, it 
it's surprising just how much momentum the film has. You know, it's quite fast paced. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. And the character is good. It's got very good voice acting, which is another thing that's uh-huh. going for well. Apart from the fortune teller, who had a horrible, horrible <laughs> voice actress. I don't know if you were in pain during the time. Yeah, yeah, I, know. I, I yeah. certainly was. <laughs> the film. I mean, one main thing about the film. So, okay, we know it's a bit of a Star Wars rip off, but some of the content is a bit yeah. more adult than what to what I expected. Absolutely. I mean, within fifteen minutes, about three people are dead. Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's like two slaves killed and there's the um the, the main character's girlfriend's father's killed quite uh-huh. early on then somebody else is killed in a cave-in and shortly afterwards you know the main hero's girlfriend is slain quite brutally just yeah Zygon, it is rough that yeah by Zygon the main villain uh-huh mind you it doesn't take very long to, for him to forget her a few days later he's, he's oh he's off with, with the princess tell you me but um, yeah, I mean, so, so she was like potentially quite a significant character, but then all of a sudden yeah, she exactly. gets snuffed she's out. Yeah, exactly. She's executed pretty much straight away. Uh huh. So um, there there are quite a lot of uh, characters that dip in and out of the film. You know, there's there's a lot of inconsequential characters, but we've our main character is obviously Oren, who then meets up with Dag, and uh-huh. Dag is like the sort of Han Solo type. It's substitute. Rogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit a bit more of a dick than Han Solo, really, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I. <laughs> He's always smoking, he's, a, smoking a cigar, cigar, very non-PC. And he refers, he refers to the, the hero as water snake all the time. Yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's his nickname for him, it is. Not um, grasshopper, water snake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the amount of uh, death and destruction in the film is, you know, like I say, within three minutes, uh, sorry, within 15 minutes, three people have, uh, have died. Um, but there's so many other things. It's not just the sort of death and the kind of blood and, and that sort of thing. It's... Um, there's a lot of freaky scenes in the movie. I mean, as soon as as soon as Oren escapes from the mine, mm-hmm. he's kind of set upon by these leech leeches that yeah. start to drain his blood. Quite seemingly, quite a lot of his blood. I know he's yeah. still conscious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when we get to the surface, just before we meet Dag, he encounters these sort of cannibalistic creatures um, that are like part organic and part part robot. Yeah, mandroids. Or mandroids whatever, yeah. are referred to, but they, they basically have like decaying organic parts of the bodies that they seemingly need to replace uh-huh. in order to stay alive. And after Dag shows up and rescues Oren, he shoots them all dead and you find that, you know, one of the uh, the creatures that seemingly was his friend or colleague early on, he just turns on him with a pair of shears and you see him leering creepily towards the camera, snipping his shears, yeah, indicating the- that he's going to steal... Is dead comrades parts, body yeah. parts yeah. Uh-huh. which is pretty sinister for, for like a sort of animated a film aimed at the family PG rated f- uh, film yeah it's quite dark in tone and there's quite a lot of cursing in it I mean hell bastards the substitute yeah, CERN got, substitute uh-huh. CERN like fucking robots yeah, yeah. I've got <laughs> blast those bastards um, yeah exactly crap bugger that bot's about to get a laser enema stood out exactly yeah <laughs> And there's that, that bit when there's the, the turnaround to Dag and say, "Oh, you're hanging out, hanging about with young boys now, are you?" Yeah, and it's a proper. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, just to sort of fill this, fill you in if you haven't seen it. There's a there's a scene where they go to a sort of um, kind of Casbar, uh, isn't it? Casbar, yeah. yeah. And there's a kind of Arabian kind of Jabba the Hutt type of character with uh-huh. smoking a hookah pipe. Yeah. With all his alien hoes around him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Uh, and and he um, he sort of mentions the fact that he's been hanging around with Oren and he's like oh so I see you're enough boys yeah, yeah, my exa- girls aren't enough for yeah, you uh, in, also indicating that he's went the dags went to him for prostitutes before which is again pretty uh, you wouldn't catch that in Star Wars would you no, really you no there's a lot of implied stuff like that in the film isn't there yeah, yeah. 
you know the, the fact there's like slave slave girls and all that sort of thing and there's obviously like kind of prostitution going on in this in this casbah place and yeah and also there's obviously the fembot silica as well which yes. is sort of c3po substitute yeah she starts out who, as quite a strong independent robot yeah. female character and but, then she gets her ass reprogrammed, <laughs> quite literally. Yeah, there is a, it's there a, is it's a, a scene. It's a robot with ass, and then, yeah, she gets reprogrammed. Quite a prominent ass. And yeah. It gets, uh, yeah. There's a scene where Dag says that he's going to reprogram her, and uh, he opens a panel in her backside. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, there's, and a, a there's a shot. There's a shot of him where he looks a bit sort of leery and creepy when he realises where the control panel is. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a bit weird. And then that leads to the line where she says... Um, you can't go probing about inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, really, for a film made at that, that time, dear me. Dear me, no. Um, but... Yeah, that's, I wrote a lot about that scene. It's just, it's so, it's so odd, isn't it? I couldn't get over that, I really couldn't. So we were expecting a proper kiddified Masters of the yeah. Universe type. I mean, there are some, I mean, there, there was one shot in the trailer um, that I remember where one of the um, aforementioned mandroid things kind of comes towards the camera. Like yeah, because it's proper 3D, isn't yeah. it? And it's popping out the screen. He's got like a, long a neck. mechanical long yeah. neck that he stretches towards the camera and makes a sort of um, a croaky noise, doesn't he? Uh-huh. And uh, that that looks a bit freaky and that sort of stands out in the trailer. But that's about um, as, as scary as you think yeah. you'd get. It's with the tone of it in parts and the dialogue. Zygon starts out um, pretending to be a god. So when we see him initially, he's like dressed in this sort of like theatrical costume with a sort of demonic head. Helmet, yeah. And, you know, he's he's um, he comes out of a walkway, which is like a sort of uh, like a big skull. Uh-huh. Sort of like a monstrous skull with horns and stuff. Yeah, and he's uh, and it's like illuminated by fire. And the whole kind of mine world in which Orin's a slave at the beginning looks quite hellish. Yes, and the miners are told, "Don't dig up up is hell." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's obvious that they're they're being used as this sort of slave labor to mine these crystals. Well, that's when the the world above thinks it's all robots. Yes, not, exactly. Not people. Yeah, exactly. And um, and they're being kept there against the will. Obviously, Orin escapes, meets up with Dag. And then they sort of go on a series of adventures and battle against Zygon. But one thing we haven't um, talked about so far very much is the uh, is the sword. Which the lightsaber, is, you mean? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now the lightsaber. The, see, I'm saying it. The lightsaber. Uh-huh. Um, the the sword is. It's like more like a traditional sword in the way that it has an old fashioned hilt. Hilt, yeah. But it has an invisible blade at the beginning. You know, like he manages to sort of slash the uh, the robot guards of Zygon with yeah. with the blade, which you can't actually see. You just kind of it's so. I'm trying to remember. Does it take on life of its own and slash them, or does he actively? No, he. It's just like he's got the power. He's sort of it's born, like, born with the powers. That's innate right. Because he's yeah. kind of like a mystical hero that's like prophesized. But he to, obviously doesn't know that. Until, he doesn't know this at the yeah. time. But he's prophesized to be a kind of like you know neo like hero. Yeah. You know, like the one. Yeah, uh, that's exactly exactly. exactly. Yeah. And uh, and you know he doesn't realize that he's got this power within himself, which will enable him to use the sword. In fact, people try to use it and they can't. Well, usually use Zygon, it. probably because he's a robot. Yes, but yeah, exactly. uh-huh. and he's not kind of imbued with whatever sort of force style, life force that he needs to to control it. That's right. Um, and in in this in this scene, he slashes from the robot guards and he escapes and everything. And later on, obviously, you get into the stuff about him being this kind of prophesized warrior. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you don't know that. The the blade kind of stays invisible for a large portion of the film until it's kind of revealed near the end, isn't it? It sort of comes to come to life and the blade extends from it and there's like an yeah. actual blade of light. Uh-huh. But it isn't, you know, like a a sort of technological sort of like a lightsaber, you know, it is no, like an old fashioned hilt of like Arthurian sort of legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly sort of, an Arthurian uh-huh. sort of power. Yeah. If you like. Um 
So it, it's in, it's interesting in in that way that it has a bit like some. There's a lot. There are a few eighties cartoons that have a similar sort of sci-fi and fantasy slant. Where you mentioned Masters of the Universe, obviously that has robots and wizards and uh, yeah, monsters it's, and uh-huh. you know, even it's a thing that's quite prevalent in games these days. You know, like things like the Final Fantasy series has a mixture of technological and the mystical as well. Not quite steampunk, but yeah, almost yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's it's kind of a bit of a mixture in the genres. Zygon himself, as you mentioned, turns out to be a robot. Yeah, and he has an army of like uh, robot henchmen. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> did you notice that there's a lot of them get kind of destroyed in a variety of different ways towards the end, and it's almost like they're like, oh, let's the robots now, so we'll just blow them all up. Yeah, they can. <laughs> they get hacked just a bit. Seems yeah. to be a lot more uh, than like flying apart towards the finale. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm just imagining that. I don't know. I have to rewatch it. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of they, once it's once he's revealed yeah. to be a robot, the film takes on a slightly different turn because you find out you know he's mm-hmm. he's trying to sort of subjugate humans in general. And he's got yeah. a plan, and it's not just that he's had all these slaves in the mind looking for crystals for him. He's got bigger ambitions, and he's more like a sort of warlord who's a robot kind of you know megalomaniac. Oh yeah, he's, 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 yeah, <laughs> he's, he's lost the plot big style, and that is a good performance by whoever did the voice. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can take for the most part the voice acting fairly seriously. Uh-huh. It's only really that fortune teller character that was awful. You know, yeah. it's just like your typical kind of you know, it's just what you would expect a sort of a, a, a fortune like an old madam fortune teller yeah. to sound like. And but to a but to a horrible degree, you know. And the style of animation does it do it for you? Do you think it? I like the style of animation. Yeah. I mean. You can tell it's a lot of three D oh, yeah. bits in it because there's a lot of bits where the spaceships fly towards you, yeah, and towards the screen. Obviously, we mentioned the shot in the uh, trailer where the creature's head comes towards the camera, the, yeah. the android creature and its uh-huh. neck. Um, it's difficult to kind of um, look back at what three D must have been like to people back then. Obviously, we've got this resurgence of three D. Well, right? I mean, yeah, I, w- I was thinking about the three D then. So this is about eighty five, by mm. which time the sort of early eighties three D fad had long gone. Yeah, because Jaws, Friday the Thirteenth, and Parasite and things like that—they That's were all right. eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, they must have started thinking, "No, oh, it's going to catch on." Yeah, and, and then had to go ahead with it. Maybe they'd kind of missed the boat a little bit. It mentioned, yeah. I mentioned online, I was reading a little bit about. 3D films in the 80s. Apparently there's one called Abracadabra before this one. Right. Which which may be the first American one, I'm not sure. Is this an animation? Um, or? This is an animation made in made in uh, the US. I'm not sure where it was animated. Again, like Star Chase was animated in Korea, but it was designed, written, and the characters designed in the sketches. It's American and production done. for all intents and purposes, yeah. yeah but it, which, may, which may be why, you know, you've got like a few of the technological stuff that looks, a few of the, a few of the tech things in it look like the sort of a bit like Star Wars, you know, you've got a security droid that looks like an art. Yeah. And some of the ships, you know, you've got like a sort of. Uh, there's a couple of ships that kind of resemble stuff. Like that. I mean, some of the sound effects of the ships flying about yeah. are very. St- and some of the doors opening are a bit Star mm-hmm. Trek y. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Sort of, I can't yeah. do that. Uh-huh. No, I can't do that. No, I can't, I can't do that. And the planet they're on looks at the start, looks a bit like with the swamps, is a bit like uh, Dagobo. Uh, Dagobah. Dagobah, that's the one from uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, there's a there's a funny C three PO and R two D two argument moment between Arthur the Dag's ship, uh, ship computer yeah. and uh, Silica the fembot uh-huh. um, where she's trying to fix fix him because the ship's crashed and he's all damaged and he's, and he's saying you took off my cover I'm naked you perverted fembot <laughs> and she just grips back you ungrateful son of a bitch <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. which is a bit more than a C three PO and R two D two just a bit yeah <laughs> but, but I mean. Oh, going back, going back to Silica though a second, we talked about the fact she gets reprogrammed. What we didn't talk about is the fact that she's 
what I meant to mention is that she's this strong, she's quite a strong independent character and she's quite forceful and you see scenes of other and order and other robots around. Then when she gets reprogrammed, Dag turns oh, into she's... a sort of bimbo. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then she's kind Sex of... Sex toy. <laughs> yeah, she, she's relegated to, to like sort of being, you know, like a second fiddle character and also being used as a sexy distraction for the bounty hunters who are yeah. after them. Because uh-huh. there's that scene where she she's walking in front of them and she gets shot like in the in the bum. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> she, gets, she gets shot right in the bum. And then shortly after that, like I say, she's used as this sexy distraction and she has she's kind of walking, you know, down this corridor and these bounty hunters who are after them are like distracted, which gives them the opportunity to sneak up behind them and yeah. plant them with something. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's I mean I considering it's been years since I've actually even seen the trailer, which I did used to see a lot of in the eighties because I used to rent mm-hmm. so many videos then. Uh, but it was good to catch up with it, and I think yeah. it's definitely worth the effort. It's a fun film. I mean, it it sort of uh, obviously wears its influence on sleeves sleeve a little bit, and it's it's heavily. It, <laughs> yeah, I say a little bit. I'm trying to be kind. <laughs> um, it you know it's it's quite a fast paced film, and it unfolds quite well. We there's some characters we haven't talked about. Um, well, we mentioned there's a princess in it. Aviana yeah comes into the film a bit later on, and she's she's a princess. I think it's through her that we learn that there is this sort of prophecy about. I forget what the what the chosen person's referred to as car something, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. Little, car Khan. Yeah, there's the some... Ca- the Car Khan is the... These little warrior. fairy little things floating about, but you don't realise what they are until the very end. Yeah, they influence, like, um, or an in, sort of teach him stuff to do with a sword. Not and to then, do with a force. Oh, of course not. <laughs> complete, complete with sort of ghostly kind of uh, mentor figures it, at the exactly, end. Exactly, yeah, who all pop up just... <laughs> And uh, it's you know it's a fairly fun sci-fi adventure. And it's got good production values for its time, and, and as we discussed, for the most part, pretty good voice acting besides yeah. the aforementioned character. The posters and the video covers are kind of Star Wars esque, aren't they? You know, you've got like the characters standing in a similar group, very much the group, so. Yeah, the group shot with where they're standing with the weapons and stuff. And then one of the uh, posters has Zygon's head looming over everyone in a Vader-esque right. way, but it's actually it's the sinister mask that he wears when he's pretending to be a god. With the horns and everything, right? Oh, which right. Looks, which is it looks even more he impressive. Has a, he has a humanoid face. Yeah, he yeah. Looks, he looks for all intents and purposes, like I said, you know, where we think that he's human, or at least a humanoid alien mm-hmm. for most of the film until he's revealed to actually be a robot. He gets yeah. quite a lot of his face destroyed at one point, doesn't he? And then mm-hmm. you can see the Terminator-like kind of mechanical, yeah, the work face underneath. underneath. Yeah, um, I suppose it's more like Westworld, really, isn't it? The I Terminator, suppose so. Yeah, the kind of big cartoonish eyes and that uh-huh. sort of thing. Um, but but no, it's. It it is a it is a film that it's kind of just um, you know it just rattles along at a good pace. It's it's engaging. It's funny quite often, Mo- most often because of the content. Yeah, and the, and Dag's an unusual character, really, isn't he? You know, t- talk about anti-heroes. Oh, very, he's very not the most cynical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he's, not he's at very all. cynical. He's always telling Oren that he doesn't know the way the world works and all of this and that, and you know he's kind of always deriding him and stuff. And uh, you know, there's a scene where he tries to sell Silica as a slave. Yeah. Pretty much to pay off a debt, aye, and um, all sorts of other dodgy activity. We he gets he gets involved in. We we know he obviously buys prostitutes from this guy who was talking earlier <laughs> in the film. If that exchange about the uh, well, he's <laughs> not a drug dealer like, like Han Solo, no. so <laughs> spice. What, what was he? <laughs> Exactly. Those containers. But no, I think we'll, uh, we'll definitely give this one a thumbs up. I think. Yeah, it was it was an enjoyable film, and it, it like you say, you know, we we talked about the fact that. Um, I always wanted to watch this film, and it was one yeah. that was on the list for many years. Of, ah, remember Star Chase, and we've and for years we've we've talked about it we'll quite have, a few we'll times. Keep mentioning it, yeah. Mention it. Remember the, those trailers for, for Star Chase: <laughs> The Legend of War, and I wonder what it was like. 
and I had kind of gotten to the point where I thought probably not very good actually. It's it's probably going to be um, not that great, especially given the passage of time where yeah. it's made. But no, it holds up rather well. In fact, a lot of eighties animation, no matter where it comes from, has a certain charm about it. I think the the old way they used to do things before everything was so smooth and computer generated, mm-hmm. it helps it a lot. It gives it a lot more personality to me. And even though it may not be, you know, the most amazing cutting edge animation for its time, you know, it's it holds up well and it looks nice. Oh, well, it's, it's better than the stuff that was on the telly at the time. Oh, Obviously, yeah. there's, a, there's a few frames per second there uh, yeah, extra. Exactly. Although, well, the one thing that does trouble us is uh, Oren's haircut, you know, and sort of eighties <laughs> rock god perm type thing yeah. going on or whatever. Sort of perm, stadium, but, yeah, stadium rock. Stadium rock with a headband. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, I can almost see like a sort of. Uh, I'd almost see him like playing a tennis racket or something, you know. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, down the mine, rocking out down the mine. Maybe that's maybe they could uh, include that as a as a sort of extra in a future future release oh. that animated little music video. I wouldn't mind seeing some extras about this film, <laughs> like, yes. like the like the Final Fantasy thriller video that they did. Makes you wonder what they left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, if indeed. they can afford to anyway. I mean, considering some of the stuff that was in the film, um, you know, it's. <laughs> If, if ever they made any edits due to content, I would wonder what was left. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was Star Cheers. So we, we quite liked it, and so we think you should check it out if you can. Hello again, we're back. Um, and this time we're going to be talking about 2009 horror comedy called The Revenant. Um, a little bit of a synopsis of plot for you. Um, Bart Gregory, a US soldier, is killed in the line of duty in Iraq. Soon after his funeral, he returns from the dead. Confused as to why he is back and what his true nature and purpose now is, he enlists the help of his slacker friend Joey to help him understand what has happened to him. About sums it up, yeah. Yeah. It was an indie film, um, as I mentioned, made in 2009, but it doesn't seem to have been released till about 2011. I'm assuming it maybe did the festival circuit for a little while. Universal Pictures picked it up, and I'm assuming they, they bought it off the... Um, off the maker and and released it then. That was when I first saw it was two thousand eleven. Um, I kindly had the Blu-ray uh, bought for us by um, by Lindsay and and that was that was my first viewing of it and I quite enjoyed it. Right. I think it's it's a fun little film. You know, not it's not going to be remembered as a genre classic by any stretch of the imagination, but but it is it is quite uh, it does have a, quite a few memorable scenes. Aye, right, so I mean, I'm new to this film, so uh-huh. you said, alright, you need to check this out. Now, I've heard it mentioned maybe in other podcasts or read mm-hmm. about it in magazines before, and I didn't know what to expect uh, mm-hmm. when I got this film, and uh, I know on the box it says it's a gory romp, um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's this, that and the other, and I don't know, I'm a bit nonplussed with the film, because I was expecting, to me it seems like a sort of... Um, a sort of, no, I wouldn't say substandard, but it, it's like they'd seen um, what do we call him, um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost sort mm. of partnership in the film, and that's what I was expecting. But right. I found it very uneven in tone. It is. It is an uneven film. Some bits are funny, and some bits all of a sudden it just snaps you back into very matter of fact horror. Yeah, I know what you mean, and that's that's my major uh, problem with the film. Is I do enjoy it, and I do think there's it's got some quite good scenes in it. But it is uneven. Mm-hmm. The humour is very, very different from one minute the next as well. You've got everything from like very sort of like quick sight gags, like when he's in. He's, there's a scene where he's just newly returned from the dead, and he's like not really sure what's going on, and he's kind of uh, he goes to he actually checks himself into the hospital. Yeah, and he's sitting filling an application form, and you just quickly get this very quick cut 
to the form when it asks what his condition is, he writes General Malaise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that, that was quite funny. But then there's other, like, quite sort of, like, um, how can I put it, typical sort of humour about his friend Joey being a slacker and yeah. enjoying his drugs, and it kind of falls flat. Mm-hmm. It's just what you would expect from some sort of, like, um, you know, substandard US comedy. But then there's some really funny physical scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a scene where where they both have an argument it involves guns and repeated yeah, shooting each other. It is, yeah, it's quite I should, funny. I, I've kind of inadvertently spoiled the plot point, but his friend Joey also becomes yeah, undead. Yeah, it's the two of them. The two of them, uh, the two of them... Um, it's not R.I.P.D. though. <laughs> and that's something... <laughs> that's how we won't talk, yeah. <laughs> I've not even seen it, but the trailer looked bad enough. I don't know, I mean, I, the one good thing about, about the film was I like the way that uh, at the start for, for a, a horror film, the the sort of slatter buddy talks a lot of sense. Yeah, he's sort of very matter of fact, and he's he not. Is. He's not sort of. He's a voice of reason. Yeah, despite, he is. Despite being a bit uh-huh. of a mess. He's like it's very. He's very practical about the situation, and it, he tries to analyze everything. Yeah, you know, he even goes online and he looks at the definition of what he is. Uh-huh. He says, "Are you a vampire? Are you a zombie? I'm and not he, really sure." That was when I was <laughs> expecting the film to go into some sort of sub Tarantino cliche and that. All oh, right, mm. let's let's watch lots of movies about and zombies and vampires and figure. Yeah. Out. No, I just figure it. it just. It, but then it's he comes to the fact, he yeah. comes to the definition that because as as he looked at because he looked up a revenant and he found that a revenant is just somebody who came back from the dead. Yeah. He decided to settle on that uh-huh. because that's what he is. Yeah. And um, and you know the the, the like I say the. There's the, those. There are like some quite good scenes in it, but it, it does jump forwards and backwards. It goes to like matter of fact horror film, silly comedy, slapstick, subtle gags, not so subtle gags, and it does seem to be a bit all over the shop mm-hmm. in that way. Is. But I like a lot of the um, sort of set pieces, and I like the uh, the fact that basically they become outlaws. Yeah. Because the idea is when when uh, it's just uh, Bart and and you know Joey hasn't been turned into one of them yet, um, they realise that obviously. The first, the first thing we know, there's something wrong with him. He's, he's starting to be sick, blood, and you know, he's he's really like he goes to sleep for about eight hours a time, then wakes up in the night. Yeah, he, kind he of hiding like a vampire yeah. during yeah, the so daytime. It's half vampire, half yeah. zombie type thing. And isn't basically, it? the they realize after a while that he needs blood in order to not decompose. Mm-hmm. So then, the, by way of, of being held up by some Mexican sort of gangster wannabe. Yeah, and accidentally killing him. Well, not accidentally, but you know, he holds him at gunpoint. Things happen. Mm-hmm. He ends up dying, and then he ends up snacking on him. And so they they come up with this idea that their their streets of in their neighborhood have always been full of scumbags, and let's get rid of them mm-hmm. and provide snacks for Bart. So, but that obviously gets them on the warpath. They start to like kill loads of criminals, take the drugs and take the money. You've got to take a few and, leaps yeah, in the storyline for them that happen to exactly. turn up on a lot of robberies. I mean, yeah. I'm sure LA <laughs> isn't that bad, but... Uh, but it does serve as a good vehicle oh, for, yeah, for it, some good set pieces and comedy, does, uh, leading to the aforementioned scene where they have a fallen out and start to repeatedly shoot each other. Aye, yeah. <laughs> and it's basically like a zombie version of the uh, scene in Ted where they're, they're hitting each other in the face. Aye. Even, <laughs> even replete with the same gag, you shot me in the air, or in, the, in Ted, you punched me in the air. Aye, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's... um. But it, I think it's quite a fun film. But, it um, is uneven. Like, so not that I'm going to give the ending away, but by the end of the film, it goes sort of really fantastic. 
mm. if you know what I mean. It yeah. sort of military gets involved all of a sudden out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then, Obviously, Bart was a soldier, but, you, yeah, but, but, it, but his condition has nothing to do with the military, seemingly. I know, I mean, it's not... Uh, that's it's a bit never, wishy-washy, it's never, never explained. It's never explained how he comes back yeah. or for what purpose. But but in the end, whether the military had anything to do with it or not, they do get involved in the end. I'm sorry, I was jumping in, what were you saying? Yeah, no, no, I was just saying, it's just at the end, it's like... It's the sort of the film. It's a long film as well for that that sort of mm. subject it could, matter. It, it could, could easily be, be an hour and a half. It could be ninety minutes, and it would be yeah. a lot more sort of a lot tighter. And probably a lot funnier as well. But I mean, it's a, it's a good forty-five minutes an hour before anything starts to really move along. In terms of, of like you know the, the action for want of a better yeah, word, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, it's mainly sort of comedy and why is he back in the, in the first yeah, kind of uh-huh. leg of the film. But I mean, I don't know, just. Mm, no, don't know. But yeah, I mean, the, but the, the end of the film, yeah, that's what I was on about. The end of the film, I was like, right, okay, where's oh, it's finished? Because <laughs> I thought this is going to be awesome because it's this yeah. mad scene. There is, and it's a real of, one-two punch like yeah. ending, isn't it? You oh know, yeah, and because the, uh-huh. the should should we go into that? I mean, is is something that we should spoil for? for no, I think people should should seek it out. Yeah, have because, a watch. But but without giving too much away, you know, it it goes into some new territory at the end, and it delivers quite a. You know, quite a rug pull. Oh, you know, you're not expecting you don't where it's see going. This you couldn't coming, see yeah, this yeah. coming. No, no. Especially with with um, saying, you know, the the military not being a feature in the, um, the film previously. But it is a very flawed film. But it's one that I just I don't know. I think it's quite fun. I do believe. I mean, it's I've, a little. It could do with a bit of trimming. Yeah, I mean, I, like I say, I, I have come across the title in various blogs and bits and bobs, and it does mm-hmm. seem to have a bit of a cult following. Um, directed. I mean, there's nobody really particularly well known. No. Is, is the lead guy in a few TV series, Vampire Diaries, and things like that? I've not, I've not seen anything that he's right. been in. But I think uh, he's been. Maybe sort of, he has been. Yeah. I've never, never watched him. That's so that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So they're not sort of how well he's not the worst. Not household like household names. names, no. But the guy who directed it, uh, mm-hmm. Kerry Pryor, he. His background, special effects. Special effects, yeah. Um, he was involved in a couple of Phantasm movies, mm. Elm Street movies as well, uh, The Abyss. And so, the practical effects are pretty good, you know. There's, uh, yeah. There's nothing, a bit nothing... of CGI in it, which is a bit CGI. Yeah. But it's, but it's not But it's a low-budget film, so what it's do not, you expect? Yeah. yeah, it's not too jarring in terms of, like, you know, really shiny CGI. You know, no. It's, it's just it's because more... it's... It's more like because of the very big sort of scenes where you couldn't do it in a studio, yeah, so that yeah. resort to CGI. We'll forgive them that. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Although there is yeah. a credit for somebody at the start for image juxtaposition. God knows. <laughs> and the God production knows. company, weirdly, was called Wanko Toys. I what do you <laughs> Is that a. What? Um, um, who knows? Who yeah, knows it's all right. I thought who, it might who knows be why you'd want to call your production company that? I have no idea. Exactly. Is, speaking of credits, there's there's quite a nice credit at the end that says um, any similarity to persons living dead or undead. No, all right. Uh, that, <laughs> I'm that, sure it's that old chestnut, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, sure it's there's another film out there which I don't know if this is anything like it, but I've always wanted to see it called Dead Heat. Dead Heat? No, I'm not, from the I'm not familiar with that one. Um, I think there's a bit of a sort of you know prosthetic gore fest with zombies coming mm-hmm. back to life and a, a dead cop partner. I want to watch it in the week right, of R.I.P.D. Just to memory. get the bad taste out of my head. <laughs> so we're going to um, supernatural cop movies. We'll, maybe at some point we'll also discuss Wolf Cop because that's a pretty fun film. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. After, I mean, I've, I've heard, heard things about that as well. I mean, some good practical effects in yeah. this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously the, the the sort of lead zombie or revenant, as he, as he's called, he's mm-hmm. uh, 
wears shades quite a lot because I'm yes, sure those of his full eyes. Yeah, the eyes. He's got the obviously full contact lens in, which must have killed him. So he's got shades on as much yeah. as he can. But yeah, it's pretty good. There's um, also like there's also quite a good scene involving a severed head, which is quite funny. Um, you know where <laughs> where one of them is. <laughs> Is kind of like trying to communicate with the other one despite with no having vocal no body. Cords. Yeah, no uh, vocal cords because they don't actually know where his body is, <laughs> <laughs> so they can't really uh, get any any sort of communication out of him other than lip reading. So he comes up with a rather ingenious method of uh, of getting him to talk. But you've well, got to watch the film to find yes, out. Yes, exactly. We won't spoil that because <laughs> it kind of defies description, really, uh, doesn't it? Does, it? And yeah. it also simultaneously destroys the humour of that scene as well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you should. Uh, what's difficult was this? Was a fifteen or an eight? It's a fifteen. A 15. I'm pretty sure it's a fifteen. Yeah. yeah. And it it is gory. Um, but not as gory as, it's, as the box made out. Though. Yeah. There's a lot of comments from uh, from various sort of people in the media. Very fun. Very gory. And it, it's you know you would expect a gore fest based on that, but it's it's not. No. The, but the but the gore lends itself to the humour, and I quite like it's, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it, it yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, in in summary, I thought it was a pretty fun film. Definitely could do with a little bit of trimming. Uh huh. But um, but if you like genre films, you like sort of uh, you know like uh, horror comedies. Mm-hmm. It you could do well. You could do worse than. You find it in the bargain bin, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Give it give it a go. Yeah, thumbs up from me. Um, Midland for me. Right, and finally today we're going to talk about uh, a Takashi Katano film. So we're jumping across the pond to Japan. And we're going to talk about Outrage, um, mm-hmm. which we believe was released in the middle of 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, be Takeshi or Takeshi Katano, whichever way you want to call him, um, he plays a sort of a middle-ranking Yakuza or low-ranking Yakuza. I don't know if, which one it is. Nobody really knows about these things. <laughs> Um, who's part of the Ikamoto family. And he's asked by the chairman who sort of governs all these different families uh, to bring in a different family, the Murase family, into line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happens, it just starts off a tit-for-tat feud, which is... Uh, Very much so. Yeah, which is sort of kind of a bit typical in these gangster films. But, yeah, uh, that's, absolutely. That's what happens in this one. It's it's all revenge and um, killings and beatings. Retribution, yeah, that's Indeed. the word for it. So... Um, I haven't watched a Takeshi Katano film for a long time now. Neither have I, really. Not um, in terms of what, we, what you'd call his more traditional fare. You know, he started out making cop and Yakuza films. Yeah, you know, which is was, what I'm principally yeah. known for. And, you know, if you if we're going outside of like his more sort of um, popular international hits, like things like Battle Royale and Zatoichi, um he was more known for this sort of fare. To, to like Sonatine and yeah. Boiling Point and Violent Hannah Cop. B, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, and basically, he started off very much in, in the sort of hard-boiled thriller genre. Um, in some ways, Outrage feels, I would say, like it's a fairly standard plot for a Yakuza film. Like we've discussed, you know, it's all about the retribution killings, yeah. the sort of revenge and the tit-for-tat feud that goes on. Um but the performances are excellent in this film, and it's it's really well made. I mean, he always gets really good performances out of his cast, mm-hmm. no matter what genre he's doing. He's moved in uh, in recent years. He moved into like more art, art house stuff, and this is like a you know these these films is like a return to form for him. You know, ten going years, back to his roots. Yeah, it's ten years since his previous like. gangster film. Um, and it's a really strong film. I mean, we've we've mentioned the performances. There's. Even the even though there are a lot of archetypal characters, you know, you've you've got like lots of characters that always show up in these sorts of films. Mm-hmm. Everyone just brings so much life to each role that they do that they're really good. 
it's it's possibly not the best starting point if you've never watched Yakuza Thriller before. No. Because the the term the the way the family is organized isn't explicitly explained at the beginning of the movie for you. So as we're dealing with these double dealings, double crossings and, you know, killings and things It's a bit who's who. It's a bit who's who. <laughs> yeah. And even somebody who's like a Yakuza sort of um you know, like fanatic would probably need another viewing to fully appreciate how, the way everyone fits into the family. Uh-huh. So while it's a very good film and it's it's definitely one that I really enjoyed, it's maybe not your best starting point in the Yakuza genre because it is, the plot's not that complex, but in terms of how the family is organised, you might find yourself a little bit like, oh, well, how's how, who's the head of what syndicate? Who's killing who? In, in <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those is that you know, the Yakuza genre isn't the most accessible from the get-go. I mean, yes, there's a lot of similarities to Western gangster films, mm-hmm. but they've got a lot more complex arrangement in terms of who is the the sort of superior and the, the underdog and so on. Uh-huh. Um, I would say it's more of a film about the politics of the Yakuza than, than a film that's a character study. You know, he, he's done some other movies that are about one Yakuza character. Yeah. It's more about, it's more following him on a sort of journey, it's you know it's got emotional side to it. There's the comedy and stuff. This is none of that. Uh-huh. This is more who's back, who's stabbing who in the back, yeah, and who's getting killed as a result of somebody else's feelings. And um, and one thing that I noted down when I was watching the film is that almost everyone's relationship at the beginning of the film has changed by the end. The surviving ones, anyway. Uh huh. <laughs> is that um, you know, it's only really the character of Otomo who Kitano plays. Mm-hmm. And the cop, who he pays, uh, he, who he pays his money to, to mm-hmm. not uh, end up in jail. Yeah, is their relationship is constant throughout the film. You know, in in fact, well, the cop gets one over him because they say he's a he rubbish does. boxer, and he does give him a dig eventually. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, he? he keeps on making jokes about, yeah. his, about his feelings in boxing school because they have a history pre the the current careers. Yeah, um, or maybe even at the same time we don't really know. But uh, but there's one point where he sort of beats him up in his own office, like mm-hmm. in the in the cop station when everyone else leaves the room after yeah. he supposedly interrogated him, which uh-huh. is like a show that he puts on for the for the other uh, officers. Yeah, and he he sort of like you know he punches him to the ground, like hits him a few times, but he gets his own back later on. He does. Gets, he gives him a little dig, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but their relationship, even though they're at odds with each other, and obviously they're on opposite sides of the law. There's a bit of a respect there. There's a bit of a mutual respect, and he also says at the end, even when things have gotten sort of hand, he needs to take him in. He basically says, "I'll try and get you a reduced sentence yeah. if I can," and um, and so they're probably the only two characters whose relationship doesn't change. Everyone else, it's sort of you know they've they've been on the receiving end of some betrayal or breeze blocked to the head or right in the face, double crossed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, even when they think they're out, absolutely, yeah. When the head of the the, the other family retires, no, he's not out that easy. Exactly, yeah. I mean he. He even sort of uh, just even keeps on going, doesn't he? And, and he's, he's still doing stuff uh, behind the behind the scenes when he shouldn't be exactly. when he's formally retired. And the and again and then, then, then the retire room, yeah, further retribution. Um, to Takeshi Kitano himself, he's a very talented man. If you're not familiar with his films, and he's directed a lot of films um, and written them as well. He's a comedian and a singer, although his singing career tends to be more to do with his comedy act. You've got to mention you know, Takeshi's Castle as well. Oh, absolutely. Takeshi's <laughs> Castle. You know, anyone who's anyone who knows him, you may you may know him as the, as the host of Takeshi's Castle, which is a popular uh, Japanese game show. The the editor over here and added a yeah. voiceover by Craig Charles. They must he? be off the 80s, are they? I'm not sure exactly when that was. Yeah, I think it was quite old. a long-run show. Yeah. He also did... Um, a panel show. I'm not sure if it's still ongoing in Japan or whether it was a while ago, but he, he did one called um, 
think it was called uh, Takeshi's TV Tackle, which they discuss <laughs> they just discuss like sort of current events, and he has like different guests. Every right. Um, he's uh, he's also a painter. He's quite a prolific painter and he's professor of a Tokyo Arts University and he even designed a game for the Famicom. Did he? AKA what we know as the NES. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and, and apparently it was the most surreal, bizarre sort of anti-game game. He'd set out to make a game that wasn't like a game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and apparently it still has people scratching their heads now. It's such an odd, odd really? But But going back to um, talking about the Yakuza films, you know, is that it's a really interesting genre. You know, you always... There's always something to sort of uh, chew over. A lot of them have a lot more complex plots than this film, but like I was saying, um, you know the the complexity. Of the, of the, it isn't a complex film, but it's the fact that there's so much in terms of the way the family is organised, and it only starts to reveal who is who as it goes well, on. It's the power when play. things are already under underway. Yeah, it's, because it's, at the start of the film, it's, it's it's the chairman saying, "Right, there's two families. This family's getting a bit out of hand. Mm-hmm. I want you guys, the other family, to sort out." the other yeah. family again but and then it ends up to take out that family but then it's the power play within the, the, exactly. the remaining family because it then begins the, with them saying you're, you're close to him he's your sworn brother and you made a pact with him in prison but he's not you know your he's not your immediate family you shouldn't be paying that more loyal. you shouldn't yeah. be that loyal to him remember you, your sworn father's more important it's, and these are all and sort of yakuza terms aren't they yeah. they don't allow drugs on their own turf so they're like sorted out um, and that's that's where it all kicks off but Pretty soon, you know, once all the sort of retributions underway and and uh, you know people are getting um, sort of messed up left, right, and centre, it becomes a pretty violent film. Oh, it's a film. I mean, well, yeah, there's not very many uh, Yakuza films that are, that aren't violent, but some of them, um, you know, like Mika's sort of brand, Takashi Mika. Oh, that's they, full on. He has like you know hyper violent kind of comic book style violence films, sort of dead or alive but, things like but that. But then, but yeah, then but then he's got other much more realistic. Mm-hmm. Yakuza films which are more sort of dramatic yeah, and are more about things like the power play or struggle or like we discussed before like a character study mm-hmm. about one Yakuza this one is more of a serious film you know with the violence is kind of uh, pretty full on in the film uh-huh. but it's not the sort of hyper comic book hyper over the top comic book violence that you would well no not, it, not like a meat year for them no. no no not in that way no. but it is quite in your face. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite literally for some we'll of them. Dis- we'll discuss that. Um. <laughs> but, I mean, it's... Um, all of Miki... Um, not Miki's films, but uh, Katano's films always seem to have sort of a jet black streak of humour running yeah. through them. And this one's no exception. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, it's not the most violent Miki's film I've seen, as I mentioned before. It does have some particularly brutal scenes, though. I can't really decide if the dentist drill scene or the chopsticks in the ear was the most cringe-inducing. The tongue. No, no the tongue for the me. The tongue, yeah. <laughs> he, he says, stick your tongue out. You've got more than one tongue, haven't you? What do you, what do you mean? Well, we'll stick out your tongue. The tongue. Was like, and you won't no. do it for a and while. Like, then he sort of sticks out briefly and he's like, longer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he sticks it out and then... Something happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough though, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely... Like, I mean, to watch it, you would definitely think it's a Katano film sort of the way that the camera sort of either moves very gently or doesn't move at all. Yeah, he it's gets sort of, criticised for that sometimes, but I... You it know, works, it, it works It works in the context of the, of the film because, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, it's it's almost like a procedural show on TV in the way, instead of it being 
you know, like you think of those shows about like cops and investigation people. It's seeming quite static. Yeah, it's it's sort of static, but it's almost like trying to lend itself to like a realistic style. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does well. I yeah. mean, he has done films with a lot of visual flair in them, you know, like things like uh, Zotoichi and like his more outhouse stuff. Yeah. But he seems to be making a conscious decision to separate those films from what he's doing with this sort of movie, with his Yakuza films. I think he wants them to be more realistic. I mean, you could argue that they're unrealistic in the way that modern Yakuza are probably going to be playing the stock market and, like, you know, <laughs> not necessarily yeah. go around shooting people in the face. Uh-huh. But, you know, the, 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 they've generally got, like, a lot of mutual respect for people. They don't always settle things with violence unless things get really out of hand. No. Um, but certainly um, the violence in the film is a bit over the top. But it, it, like I say, it's, it's not to the sort of but the reason insane why levels. It's a very commercial film because of that. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, going back to the scene with the chopsticks, the, the poor guy not only gets chopsticks in the ears, he gets two of his fingers sliced off the cleaver. That's right. And then the guy throws them onto some unsuspecting diner who's sitting playing his DS's Waiting plate. for his veggie noodles. And then he <laughs> serves them up, doesn't he? And, and the funny thing is about this scene is that he gets the finger served onto his plate and he's too busy sitting engrossed in his game to not notice it actually cuts away before you see his <laughs> reaction. reaction and I was quite expecting him to be like Woo! yeah see him run out <laughs> see him run out in horror but no he's just he's still not uh, aware that these fingers are on his plate <laughs> but another thing to mention in this uh, in this particular Takeshi Kitano film is that none of his stock players mm. who quite often pop up in various roles in his films appear in this one yeah. it's, it's, it's a new cast but mm. like we say spot on but you noticed a few people from a few different films in it yeah, um, Renji, Renji Ishibashi, uh, sometimes credited as Ryo Ishibashi as well. He plays uh, Murase, who is um, one of the sort of uh, family heads. Uh-huh. He was uh, in Audition and also Gozu. All right, yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he's, I think he's been in, he's perhaps been in more mega films than that, but those are the ones that, that stick out in my mind. I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. I think I've got it written down in my in my notes here. Um Shina Kipe, who was in Takashi Mika's Shinjuku Triad Society, which is right. one of the aforementioned more serious Mika Yakuza films, which yeah. is well worth checking out. That's about Triad versus Yakuza. Uh-huh. And it's kind of um, got a lot uh, to do with uh, Chinese culture as well as Japanese. Um, he plays a character called Mizuno, who's quite... He's sort of like under... He's Takeshi. a part of, yes, he's he's under Takeshi's. Yeah, um, and he's quite loyal, syndicate. isn't he? He's, he's in the Otomo family. He's, yeah. he's very loyal, and he, he likes... Taunting uh, police. There's a scene where he, there's a series of scenes where he's continually flicking he a cigarette, the cigarette at, the policeman, at a police yeah. officer and grinning at himself. And he pretty much grins all the way through this film. And he's he's quite <laughs> he's quite sadistic. He is, but he's also got a lot of personality, and he, he's one of the standout characters in the film. Um, there's also the, uh, the but he VP. doesn't he doesn't come off well at the end though. No, he certainly doesn't. <laughs> he gets no. one of the nastiest ends. Yeah, he does actually. Yeah. <laughs> there's also the vice president of the Otomo Syndicate, um, who is. Um, a character who's also shown to be quite a sadistic and kind of um, <laughs> nasty piece of work. He's he actually speaks quite a bit of English in the film. Yeah, he does, uh, and quite well. Um, there's a lot of scenes where he's taunting this um, oh, the embassy, ca- the embassy uh, fella, yeah, because... and because this embassy work gets embroiled in all, doesn't he? And and they he's really put upon. They make him do some pretty terrible things. That for me is the weakest part of the film. Yeah. When mm. they the sort of take over this embassy to use as a gambling den. Yeah, he's not the greatest actor compared to the rest of the cast. No, he's not. Say. The guy who plays the embassy. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a scene where he's drunk and sort of chortling to himself, like uh, having having a drink while he's waiting for this girl in the shower, and he's just he's a bit he's a bit ropey, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Really? 
Um, it's like probably he's brought the in because he can speak a bit of English. Yeah, exactly. He's the weakest link in the acting chain. The other guy, the uh, VP of the Otomo Syndicate, uh, I forget his character name. He's he's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but these sort of scenes where where they're sort of um, you know controlling him and making him do stuff, you know the the kick him out of the embassy office so they can use that as the Yakuza off Stormy, and then yeah. the then they basically uh, get him to ru- get involved with running the casino to bring profits in after a takeover mm-hmm. and uh, put a snake in his bath and all sorts oh, of yeah, stuff. And that's just, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like it's pretty weak. Yeah, that compared that the rest of the film. Weak yeah, to the rest of the movie, and. You know, they make them dig a grave for somebody they've killed and leave them out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and it's that that sort of stuff. Even though the aforementioned character, the um, the vice president, is a really good character who, you know, is in those scenes as well. He's mm-hmm. in a lot of those scenes. Some of that stuff still feels falls a little bit flat. It does. And it kind of feels a little bit out of place. It spoiled it for me a bit, I mean, because I was really yeah. enjoying it up to there, but it's sort of, by the time it, it gets back to the third that. act, yeah. Because it, the third act is like, you know, where everything really becomes unravelled. Yeah. And things start to get pretty insane. Uh-huh. Um, you know, once we get into the third act, it becomes a much faster paced film. Oh, it does, yeah. And, you know, there's... there's and uh, brutal. And, you know, the, yeah, as we as we mentioned, people start to meet a pretty horrible end. Uh-huh. And there's quite a few surprising events. It does a good job of, um, you know, pulling the rug out from underneath you and, and kind of, uh, you know, giving you some stuff you didn't expect. Leading into a sequel as well. There is a sequel beyond Outrage. Is that a which, proper sequel or is it um, just in title it only? It seems to be a proper sequel because uh-huh. it still has uh, Takeshi as Otomo getting, right. out of, getting out of prison. Oh, all right, alert. okay. Well, maybe put <laughs> spoiler, a spoiler alert. Tag. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a spoiler tag on that before we uh, when when we upload this. <laughs> we'll yeah. Save you don't want all all the plot points in the movie. Don't. Listen up to this point, <laughs> but yeah, apparently he gets in the sequel begins with him getting out, and things happen as a result. Which of that. to me suggests that sequel is only made because I'm presuming this this film must have done okay. I'm because guessing so. The, the film can just sit on its own. I'm guessing so. It seems that Beyond Our Age has even more critical claim than this one does. Maybe right. we'll check that one we'll out. We'll have, have to look for that one um, in the future. But it's it's a really it's a really really inter- interesting film. You know, if you if you're used to. Um, if you're used to Yakuza films, you may enjoy it more. It's partly, like I said before, it's perhaps not the best starting point. It's a very enjoyable film, and I personally haven't watched a lot of Yakuza films, really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to Beyond Outrage. Maybe we can discuss that at a future point. We'll check that out um, next time. Indeed. But, okay. but yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for the discussion. Cool. <laughs> That's all we've got for today, then, and we'll, uh, we'll leave you till next time, and we'll review indeed. some more films, yeah? See you then. Cool.